This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. Before we dive into the games last night and, and go to some of your tweets, I just wanted to throw out some news items. First off, nothing but thoughts and prayers for Mike Boss. He made his announcement that he's battling lung cancer. Uh, he was a battler on the ice, and I know he'll give everything he can to fight this, but it's just a kick in the gut for any hockey fan, never mind Islander fans, just all hockey fans in general, watching this guy growing up, seeing his compete level, uh, knowing the type of person that he is, to hear that news was pretty devastating. So you get over the whole gut punch of it, and then you realize that there's a lot of fight in him, and if anybody can kind of overcome anything, it's going to be him. But listen, the strength of the person isn't determined on – whether they win this battle or not. I mean, sometimes it's kind of out of your control, but it's it's the positive thoughts and how engaged he is in, in get, fighting through this. So uh, we don't know how it's going to turn out, and it, and it stinks to hear, but uh, he's the type of person that I'm sure will give everything he has to fight this and, and all the thoughts and prayers of Islander fans and hockey fans all over the place. If that means anything, we'll definitely – be huge for him in his recovery and his fight so thoughts and prayers go out to Mike Bossy and what he's going through Uh, also wanted to send out a congratulations and a happy retirement to Rick Carpinello his last job was with the athletic but you knew him working for the journal news working for uh, MSG he was just as talented a hockey writer as you're ever going to see and going to Madison Square Garden covering the Rangers for all these years he was a fixture uh, always had uh, uh, a conversation, a story. Uh, he would always oblige an interview between periods. Uh, critical of the team, but never mean-spirited. And I'm kind of going to miss at the end of periods going on social media, on Twitter, and he would send out the question, good period? <laughs> and then everybody would respond. And if it was a good period, they'd agree. And if it was a bad period, they would uh Go nuts. So uh, he's going to be missed. He's still going to be around and still probably writing some books in his spare time. But uh, as of November 1st, he's off the beat, a beat that he had been on since 1978. So wanted to be able to pass that along to you. And also this Evander Kane story uh, has taken so many different turns for the San Jose Sharks. And, of course, the investigation and gambling, the investigation of domestic violence, and then eventually getting suspended 21 days for violating a COVID protocol. A lot of rumors swirling that he had a fake vaccination card. I, I Listen, you, you hear so many different stories around this kid. He is exceptionally talented. And you hear stories about just immaturity, whether it was in Buffalo, then he lands in San Jose, and it looks like it's the right place for him, it's the right fit for him, and then trouble just seems to follow him around. Listen, I'm a fan. I want to see him on the ice. I want to see him play. I want to get these things corrected. Uh, The Sharks um, obviously are not tolerating it. Uh, They showed support for him trying to get better, but clearly are not going to defend him on the allegations of violating COVID protocol because at the end of the day, it's selfishness. It really is. I mean, I don't want to get into a conversation. We get into this situation with the Michael K. show for or against vaccination, but when you take it to the level that he supposedly did, it's just the height of selfishness, and I'd like to see him get the head on straight because he's a talented hockey player. I want to see him on the ice selfishly for me, but it doesn't look like it's going to happen. It's certainly not going to happen over the next 21 games, and you wonder – What path can the San Jose Sharks take now? Reports out of San Jose is um, they really can't get a void of the contract. 
Uh, so it's just a case of whether they pay him to go away or whether they tried to trade him, but it doesn't look like there's any real path to trading him. So there's a very good possibility that the Sharks are going to have to probably eat what's left on his contract and move on. I can't imagine he'd be able to come back and play. Uh, His teammates have taken stances against him. Uh, I don't think that would be able to work. Plus, you're talking about you know deep into the season before he'd get a chance to play and how long would it take him to get ready and all that. So it looks like his days are pretty much done in San Jose and... Listen, there's always a second or third or fourth chance in sports, right? What ends up being a dead end in one team can be an open door on another. We've seen what happened with Tony D'Angelo with the Rangers, and then the door opens uh, in Carolina. We've seen it time and time again all over in sports. So whether it's in San Jose, whether it's somewhere else, whether it's this year, whether it's in the future, whether it's doing something other than hockey, I just hope Evander Kane get his head on straight and kind of just figure life out. All right, let's talk about some of the games from last night. Let's start with the Islanders. They finally get their first victory of the season as they beat the Chicago Blackhawks 4-1. to Now, I bet this on my ice pick. I got it at minus 125. It, it seemed like a no-brainer to me because I just couldn't wrap my mind around the Islanders being 0-3 to start the season. But I'll tell you what, if Sorokin isn't on top of his game, they would have been 0-3. I mean, they got outshot 40-29 to in this game. This game was scoreless for the longest time until Beauvillier scores uh, four minutes into the second period. So Islanders end up walking away with a 4-1 victory. But if you watched a lot of this, and it was on ESPN last night, that they still have not playing great. Uh, they, they finally got good goaltending from Sorokin, but an Islander team that's giving up 40-plus shots a game, that's not going to work. And, and Anders Lee was a late scratch because of illness, and you could see where they really miss him. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if this Islanders team can kind of right their ship a little bit. We talk so much about how competitive this division is, where you know Pittsburgh continues to get points. Even when they lose, they lose in the shootout like they did to the, to the Dallas Stars last night, or they lose in overtime like they did to Florida over the weekend. They're getting points. The Rangers are getting points now, as the Rangers have picked up a couple of wins in a row and points in three consecutive games. The Devils have started out with a 2-0 uh, season. Washington's off to a pretty good start. You dig yourself a hole. I'm not saying you can't make the playoffs, but all of a sudden now you're battling for a wild card or home ice disadvantage. I mean, the Islanders worked very hard to get themselves a brand new building that they hope is going to be electric for a Stanley Cup run, and you don't want to dig yourself a hole. Wayne Gretzky always said, you you do not win Stanley Cups in October, but you can lose Stanley Cups in October. And getting off to a slow start could be a death sentence for teams, but they got the two points, but they certainly have to right that ship. Uh, Devils with a two nothing victory, a four to two victory over the Kraken. All right, first the negative. Uh, obviously, uh, what's happening with um, Jack Hughes? Another great game, but was left after a hit. Went down awkwardly. Uh, still no word as of this recording at one thirty five p.m. Eastern time. Anything other than he's day to day. Lindy Ruff said after the game, he just fell awkwardly. Didn't have a problem with the hit but did say that uh, he was going to be further examined today. So hopefully later today, tomorrow, we'll get word. You'd hate to see him being lost. Uh, But the big story in this one, Mercer gets his first National Hockey League goal. So much surrounding this kid and with so many good young players on this team. And you got Hughes and Heeshears becoming veterans now that Mercer's that next guy, 18th overall pick in, in the 2020 draft, and he gets his first National Hockey League goal. So congratulations 
uh, to him. Uh, the Devils got to they make things uh, nervous, right? You know, three one becomes three two. They got to hold on. They got to kill a five on three late in the game. They blew the three one lead against Chicago to win the game in overtime. So listen, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a roller coaster ride with this Devils team early on, but they're getting points. Something they didn't do in the early portion of last year, and as I mentioned, competitive division get all the points you can get. Uh, Bernier l- looked pretty good as well. Kraken now with a couple of losses in a row. Listen, they're not going to be the Vegas Golden Knights. They're just not going to be. Nobody should have expected that, um, and so there'll be bumps in the road. But you know, they go on that four-game uh, road trip to kind of start things off before they uh, actually open things up on Saturday. So uh, the Kraken off to, you know, an okay start in franchise history. They've played five games all on the road, one, three, and one. And then they'll have the big moment on Saturday opening up the building. uh, And that should be just incredible. You heard all the stories when they were announced as an expansion team. They've got like 17,000-plus season ticket holders. And in like 10 minutes, they sold like 23,000 season tickets. So they sold out. They've got thousands of people on the waiting list. That is going to be a huge, huge success. And how long it takes for it to be a success on the ice, we'll have to wait and see. There has to be panic in Montreal right now. There just has to be. Now, I think everybody realized what last year was. Last year was a run. Um, I don't want to say fluke. But clearly, the Montreal Canadiens were not the second-best team in the National Hockey League last year. All right, I think they benefited from being in a, in a division that they could win. I think they benefited from having uh, the matchup situations that they did in the playoffs last year with Tavares getting lost for Toronto, uh, with Shifley getting suspended in the Winnipeg series. Uh, uh, there was a lot of problems with Vegas by the time he got to the third round with their lack of centers and Stevenson being out. And then they got humbled by Tampa, and rightly so. You knew that this was going to be a season where they're going to take a step back, right? No Carey Price to start the season. Kakanyemi signs over in Carolina. But I don't think anybody expected 0-4 with just two goals. And Bergevin's addressing the media as we're actually recording this podcast and just saying all the things that things have to be better. We'll see if there are any changes. You hate to see changes four games in after a team went to Game 5 at the Stanley Cup Final last year. But 0-4 with two goals isn't going to work and you're not going to be able to lean on well we don't have Carey Price well if you scored two goals even if Carey Price was in net you're probably going to lose all four of those games anyway uh Giroux is back um but they just they're they're just not playing well and I and I don't know when it's going to turn itself around but there's and, and no offense to the San Jose Sharks but the Sharks should not come in to the Bell Center in Montreal and thump you five to nothing and, and scoring three quick goals to start the game so there is full-blown panic mode right now in Montreal, I would think. The fact that the general manager feels like he has to address the media barely a week into the season should tell you the problems there. All right, great job by the Sabres. I know it's still early in the season. Let's not get kooky, but this is a franchise that has been beaten pillar to post for the last decade. Coaching changes, general manager changes, the whole Eichel saga, and what have they done? They've gone out there and are a perfect 3-0 and to start the season, plus a goal differential. I know all three games are at home, but these are the Buffalo Sabres. But you're getting production from Oposo. Gergensen's been very good for them. So good for the Buffalo Sabres. They're getting goaltending. They're playing the way they got to play. They're not going to be able to compete in this division. 
division, not with Florida, not with Tampa, not with Boston. But you know what? To get off to a good start, get some good vibes going with this Buffalo Sabre team, you got to feel good as they thump the Canucks 5-2 to and outshoot them 43-34. to It was really set up as the game of the night between the Panthers and the Lightning from Tampa. But i got to tell you, uh, the Panthers are just a better team. I, mean, they, they, I, I predicted them to win this division. I'm not surprised by their start at all. They're 3-0 and to start the year, plus eight goal differential as well, and you know it's got to feel good to be able to beat Tampa in Tampa. Now, Joe Thornton takes a slash and gets fined for it, but uh, they, they are just loaded, Florida, and you just got to feel good for what the Panthers you know, have gone through themselves to be able to get to this point, but... Barkoff, you know, they got his contract done. He scored last night. Duclair has found a really nice home after going to the Rangers, going to the the, the Senators, whatever the teams he's played for. Uh, he's found a home in Florida, exceptionally well coached. He knew it was going to take some time, but now it's starting to click with Joel Quinville. This Florida team is loaded, and this uh, to me, they're the odds-on favorite to win this division. Again, give credit to Pittsburgh. You know, they always find ways to get points. They lose at home to Dallas, but they do get. Um, they do get the point uh, as they're able to uh, – they lost that game in the shootout. So all these games they're playing without Crosby, all these games without Malkin, and here Pittsburgh is, first place in the Metropolitan Division, 2-0-2. They've got six points, so give them credit. Plus five goal differential. They're a team that has not lost yet in regulation. These points still count. As my partner Dave Maloney on the Ranger broadcast say, points don't go bad, all right? So to be able to stockpile as many points as you can while you're not healthy just means that they're going to be that much better when they do get healthy. And let's just give credit to Mike Sullivan. If he's not the best coach in the NHL, he's darn close. Because maybe it's just me, and I'm sure people in Pittsburgh will jump me. I don't think this is a championship caliber team. I think they're way in over their skis most of the time, but they're a tough team to play every single night. Their goaltending is a mess, and yet still here they are finding ways to get points, finding ways to get wins, and that's very, very important for this franchise. Capitals beat the Avalanche 6-3. to Ovechkin scores late, so that's goal 734 as he continues to try to get closer and closer to climb up the standings. Kuznetsov finally gets his first goal of the year. And the Capitals roll to a 6-3 to win over the Avalanche. Now, Colorado, odds-on favorite to win the Stanley Cup. They were last year. They were the year before they were in the conversation. Certainly this year they're in the conversation, but just a 1-2 and two start to begin the season. So still waiting for that team to kind of finally click. The Blue Jackets are finally cooled off by the Red Wings 4-1. to Again, the surprise here with the 45 shots on goal. Uh, Bertuzzi's just been playing out of his mind as he picks up his fifth goal of the season, and they roll. Boy, they're a physical team. They will jump you because, hey, it's time, right? We've been waiting on this Detroit team for finally getting all these players together, and they still have some veterans in there, but you're, you're getting to see uh, the guys like Larkin, Finally emerging, Bertuzzi finally emerging. Raymond had a couple of points last night, so Detroit 45 shots on goal. They thump the Blue Jackets 4-1. to one. Predators, I'm going to get a chance to see them calling the game tomorrow in Nashville between the Rangers and the Preds. They get the 2-1 win over the Los Angeles Kings as um, they score twice in the third period to do that. And also last night we saw a wild game, no pun intended, between the Wild and the Jets. Eventually won in overtime, six to five. Uh, 
Eric Sinek has been somebody I've been watching for a long time. We've been waiting for him to emerge. This might be the coming out party for him as he was just so good last night uh, picking up the hat and, and, and winning the game in overtime and 44 shots on goal. The Jets just continue to have issues defensively. Um, you just wonder where the goaltending is right now as Winnipeg uh, struggling just a bit out of the gate here, 0-2-1 to start the season. Meanwhile, the Minnesota Wild, one of just a few teams that are a perfect 3-0 and to start the season. So they are playing terrific. Two of the three games have been on the road. They had that great win in Anaheim, scoring late uh, to break the tie and earn uh, a regulation two points. So the Wild in the conversation they finally got younger, right? So it was a team that really, you, you like them, they were well coached, but they just seemed to be an older type of team, right? But, you know, now you, you, you cut bait with Suter, you cut bait with um, Parisi, you know, you're not relying on the, the Koivus anymore. Now you got some good young players that you really sink your teeth into, and certainly uh, Eric Sinek is one of those guys and gets the win. Now, for anybody betting last night, and, and and like I did, I was thinking about betting this game too. The Ducks playing the second of back-to-backs in Edmonton against the Oilers. You probably loved Edmonton at minus a goal and a half, and you were golden. You were golden sitting on that 6-4 lead late, but then Kevin Shattenkirk took your heart out with a goal with 19 seconds left, and the Oilers don't cover, but they do get the win. You know, the Ducks have been a fun, fun team. They're also trying to get younger, too. They still have Getzloff there as the captain, but they're starting to rebuild, and you're starting to see some signs. They're off to a good start, and the same old song and dance with the Edmonton Oilers. They are going to score as many goals as any team in the National Hockey League. And if it's not uh, Dreisaitl, it's going to be David. If it's not David, it's going to be Nugent Hopkins. If it's not Nugent Hopkins, it's going to be Cassian. If it's not Cassian, it's going to be Nurse. And we just go on and on and on with just how great they are. But, you know, they needed two goaltenders last night. Smith and Costigan are not guys that make me think you're winning a Stanley Cup. If there's ever been a team that has been in desperate need for a goaltender, and I like the Smith story is great. He's going to be 40 years old. I root for him. I want him to do well. But you just look at this team and you say, that's a team that can flat-out score. That's a team that can flat-out entertain. But do they have the goaltending? And the East version of the Edmonton Oilers is probably Toronto, right, too, where he's Campbell enough to win a Stanley Cup with all that firepower that they have. So you've got Edmonton in the West. You've got Toronto in the East. And it's like if they could just find a goaltender, uh, they would probably be Stanley Cup champions. But uh, unfortunately, uh, right now, I think the goaltending is the biggest weakness. Although Campbell is not the reason that Toronto lost last year. Just two games on the NHL slate tonight. Doubleheader for TNT at 7th. 30. The Bruins will be in Philadelphia to take on the Flyers. Bruins play in their first game of the year 1-0-0 while the Flyers are 1-0-1. And then the second game of the doubleheader, the Blues will be in Vegas to take on the Golden Knights. St. Louis 2-0 to start the season. One of the few teams undefeated so far this year in the Vegas Golden Knights 1-1 to begin the year. So at Don LaGreca uh, game misconduct is uh, or at Don LaGreca hashtag game misconduct is always uh, the way to be able to get in touch with me uh, to kind of talk about the world of hockey. Pandemonium V2 says, it's just me or am I the only one checking daily for a new Game Misconduct podcast from Dom LaGreca? He is the man of the people, the man with the knowledge. Just want to say thank you, Don. You make the drive to and from work that much more enjoyable. Oh, it's very nice of you, and I like the tweet. That was 
That was very nice of you to say. Now, Ricky asks an interesting question. Should the Islanders retire Ken Morrow's number six? Won four cups, fan favorite, whole career with Islanders, and still with the team as the director of pro scouting. Your thoughts? Thank you. All right, here's what you get caught up in. And, and, and EJ was attached to this tweet as well. And EJ's like, absolutely. Full disclosure, EJ grew up an Islander fan. It's like the Oakland Raiders, where there's guys that took a long time to get into the Pro Football Hall of Fame as Oakland Raiders. Jim Plunkett's still on the outside looking in. It took Ken Stabler a long time to finally get in because there's so many Raiders in the Hall of Fame. And you think of all the great players on those four Stanley Cup teams with the Islanders, and you look, well, okay, so, you know, Bossy and Trottier and Smith and Poppin, it just the names rattle off, and, and Ken Morrow is somebody that's probably five or six down that list, but that's how stacked that team was. And all the guy did was win, all right? He's on the 80 Olympic team, hops right from winning a gold medal to winning four straight Stanley Cups. Tremendous player, and it's hard to say that he doesn't belong um, on, on that level uh, of player. Um, so uh, Hall of Fame, one thing, but when you want to retire a number – how can you not? How can you not? And now it's up to the Islanders. And, and what I would say to this, I mean, he's still a young man, but don't mess around, all right? Like, it always bothers me when you wait so long to retire somebody's number um, and then they pass away and they don't get to appreciate it when you knew all along you were going to do it, all right? Now, the Islanders retired a lot of numbers in quick succession because when the team was bad, they were looking for a way to fill the building. Well, they don't have to worry about that anymore. But what what better way to open up the new building in a couple of weeks than to maybe have the next retired number be Ken Morrow? And I, and I think that makes a lot of sense because it's personal. He was an Islander, uh, won four Stanley Cups, and I think that number six, you just think about that beard, you think about how important he was to that team and to retire the number. But, you know, do it sooner than later, honestly. Uh, I'll never forget, I was covering, you know, doing the Rangers pre and post, and my wife, of course, is a Canadians fan. You guys know that. And we would always drive up to the Bell Center. And since I didn't have to travel with the team to do the pre and post at the time, I was not doing the play-by-play. But I figured, hey, this is a great opportunity to go up to the Bell Center, take my wife, and do the Rangers pre and post from the Bell Center. And it was the night that Boom Boom Jeffreyon's number was going to be retired. And they waited so long to retire his number. And what ended up happening was he got sick. He had stomach cancer. So it was already known that he was not going to be there, but his family was going to be there. And on the day that they retired his number, the day is when he passed away earlier that afternoon. And I remember being in my hotel room in Montreal. I think my wife was in the shower. I turned on the TV, and I've got some um, French-speaking news on, and they're showing uh, Boom Boom Jeffrey on and highlights of his career and all that. And I'm like, oh, they're probably doing a story on how they're retiring his number tonight. And even not being able to understand the language, just the vibe of the news story. I'm like, I don't think he made it. I think he passed away. And it made for a very somber event. He wasn't going to be there anyway because he was sick, but you end up waiting so long. And then, listen, it's great for the family. It's great for the fans. But how great is it for the player to stand on that ice and see their number race to the rafters at their respective building? Um, you want to make sure they're there to see it and there to appreciate it. So, uh, and I'm not, again, I'm not suggesting that Ken Morrow is you're not going to be with us. But you know, you just got the news about Mike Bossy, right? Like a- anything can happen at any moment. So if you know you're going to do something, then why wait? 
Uh, take advantage of it while you have the chance because you never know. And I think the fan, the Islander fans, there's so much optimism around this team right now, so there's probably not as much of a need to go back to the past as there was. Um, but uh, still, you want you don't want to forget about those important moments. Uh, finally, Yankee and Penguin asks, is there a chance that Paul Maurice is the first coach to be fired? Uh, well, Montreal might say, hold my beer. Here's the thing with Paul Maurice, and I'm a fan. I'm a, I'm a fan of the, the Winnipeg uh, Jets, full disclosure. Uh, I, I love the job that um, Shevel Dayoff has done there. I've gotten to know him over the years. He was always a great guest uh, on NHL Live when he was assistant general manager with the Chicago Blackhawks. And, and I love that organization. I love the way that it's run. But this is not the first time we've had conversations about Paul Maurice being let go in Winnipeg. And whenever we've had the conversation, what do you think happens? The team goes on a run and he stays. So maybe his luck is running out, uh, but clearly this is a year of optimism. They feel like they've got the goaltender. You know, they made the line A trade. They felt they got better from that, bringing Dubois over. Um, so, you know, Shifley has been out, missed the first game because of suspension, but now he's back probably a little too early. I hate to have the conversation when we're only like four or five games into teams' seasons, but you know, when you think about who's the first coach to go, you think about Montreal, you think about Winnipeg for sure, of, of teams that have kind of stumbled out of the box, and you just wonder what the survival rate for some of these teams are going to be, especially teams that had you know glorious expectations and fall short of those expectations. Uh, but uh, those are the two coaches that kind of pop to mind when you say, you know, maybe – you know, is, is Colleton a guy in Chicago? Although I don't think that team is really built to win at this particular point. Um, but uh, those are some of the names that kind of pop into your head. And Paul Maurice has dodged a lot of bullets in his career uh, in Winnipeg, but he's, he's still hanging on, and we'll see what ends up happening there. All right, it was always fun touching base with you guys. We'll do another show on Friday. I'm still debating on whether I want to do a top five because we really haven't seen enough hockey, I think. It would kind of just, I think, be kind of foolhardy to do it. Who are you but taking I might out? change my mind. Who knows? You can always change my mind as well. At Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. So uh, I'll be calling the game tomorrow. Uh, Nashville Predators and the New York Rangers. Uh, so we'll kind of get you set up for the weekend and you find out what the state of all these teams are and see if anything happens in Montreal as well. I got a sneaking suspicion something may. So we will talk to you again on Friday. This was the Wednesday edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.